Hi, this is Skip Lackey, and I was in the 1985 horror comedy film Once Bitten, and this is Chris and Scott with the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all vampire films. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Scott Danielson. And we return to Dracula 1979. This is our first recorded episode in 2023. We're recording this on the 2nd of January, the beginning of the new year. So happy new year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to everybody. Yep. Uh, for the, uh, yeah, for, <laughs> I was going to try to make a, a joke like around the sun or something kind of joke, but I feel like it's not appropriate for vampires. Probably not. They would get very offended and, and uh, yes. raise badly on our, on iTunes. As we all know, vampires are easily offended, so we should probably. So we open this up with uh, the boat in the, wa- the with water and, uh, and uh, the boat washed up on land. And yeah, this boat so was, this by is... the way, constructed. Yeah, it's it's actually it's a pretty impressive set. They clearly made it. Um, and this is shortly after um, Lucy and Count have their first encounter. So Lucy runs down to to check on the shipwreck, and it's not clear that uh, whether or not uh, Dracula is alive. And then there's a a very big string, <laughs> very big uh, John Williams dramatic moment string section comes in right when their hands touch to let you know, oh, this is important. And then we cut to the next morning when they're trying to dig through the wreckage. Right. And um, the whole thing was built on the beach, according to Constantine Nassier, who's a uh, film historian that does the commentary on the uh, theatrical cut. The director does the commentary on the director's vision, which is not necessarily a different cut, it's just done in like a monotone color scheme that he wanted to do, but the studio refused. Interesting. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's one of those things that when people talk about how movies are or aren't made anymore, that's like the kind of stuff they're referring to. Like, oh yeah, we have just a, a scene where there's a ship, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, oh, we used to just build them because we kind of had to. <laughs> so. And that so nowadays they would just probably do it on like a set or something like that. So yeah, um, the map the with the scene where um, Van Helsing or, or sorry not Van Helsing um, Donald Pleasant's character, um, Doctor Jack Seward. Seward. Yeah, Doctor Seward comes driving down the um, the beach, uh, which also shows that this takes place in the 20th century because cars did not exist in 1897 quite yet. no not, not like that yeah no that wouldn't be even even a very rich person would be hard pressed to find something like that correct um behind him is a matte painting of the of the town that he's leaving <laughs> that's cool yeah uh that's peter burton was the designer for the uh the ship um of the uh the, the crew the cast and crew of the film to uh put this together to, to make it look like the way it does i'm trying to find him right now in the credits. Yeah, no, and so, yeah, what, I mean, I think the thing that's interesting is that they're kind of conveying information the audience probably already knows or has in this moment, because they're going through, they're like, okay, what's, go, what's going on here? Oh, this is supposed to be Count Dracula. And then the other guy's like, oh, we're supposed to have him over. <laughs> like, as a uh, Renfield is the guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to have him. Is is everybody okay? And they're like, no, everybody else, everybody's dead. What about the Count? Well, he's the only one that made it. And so they're just kind of conveying what we already 
figured out. So unfortunately, it looks like our sailors' attempts to stay alive did not work. <laughs> and uh, their attempt to run aground ended up only saving um, only saving Dracula. And there's a lot of pointed shots at the captain who had strapped himself to the to the the captain's wheel with a cruci- with a rosary and a cru- with a crucifix on it. So, and his throat's gashed. So, grisly scene to say the least. The so Peter uh, Merton, um, who died in 2009, is who Constantine Nassier mentions as the um, as the designer, uh, production designer for the film, has quite the IMDb credit with The Man with the Golden Gun, Dracula, Superman Two both versions, Superman 3, Spies Like Us, King Kong Lives, Popcorn, The Timekeeper, Genghis Khan, The Story of a Lifetime, Stargate, as well as art design for Stargate, Thunderball, and Goldfinger. Wow. Yeah. I I feel like we've run into this before, that if we find somebody who worked on a Bond movie, they seem to have worked on most of the Bond (laughs) like a lot of them. Like, that's just what it is, because they require such specific things. It's just funny that his art directing credits go from 1979, take a giant break for him to be a production designer, and then he comes back as art director uh, for Stargate, which is 1994. Yeah, I guess Roland Emmerich was like, hey, I like your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a, he's a great stuff. I mean, Stargate is a great movie. I, I, I never hear Stargate, the film, get talked about nearly as much as I do the TV show. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's just the sheer amount. Like, if Stargate became a movie series, it would be a thing, but there's, like, I think, what, like, two to three Stargate TV show offshoots, so I think that's probably why. Right, definitely. Um, I will talk about Peter Young, who is also a art department and production designer, and he's the set decorator, because we go to Carfax Abbey, and it is, like, a castle? It is crazy how detailed Carfax Abbey is. And Peter Young worked on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Sleepy Hollow, Planet of the Apes, Batman. Do you see a theme with those films? Uh, Yeah, one Tim Burton. (laughs) Yes. But he also worked on Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, The Saint, Tomorrow Never Dies, Sleepy Hollow, The Mummy Returns, Troy, Shanghai, Night, and Stardust. Wow. A lot of, if you want period stuff, it sounds like you go to this guy. Yeah, definitely. Period gothic type stuff, you go to this guy. Um, we, Nasir points out that the all-star team, this movie had an all-star team and an all-star cast. This was a Hollywood big production. Yeah. I mean, it it certainly looks like it. It's just, you can, you can usually tell just like by the shots. That's a good way to, to tell. And they're always, they're a lot, it's all wide shots and they've got the tracking shots. Like we had the opening shot with the hell, I think it was shot on a helicopter. Yeah, like it's and then even just where they're, you know, tracking and going from the top of the mountain down to the shipwreck and back and forth and all of that. So it's there's a lot going on. We have um, Stewart drive up uh, with. Um, is that Ben Helsing in the car with him? I think so. Yeah. Um, driving up to the gates and then. Um, no, it's Jonathan Harker. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so, sorry. Yeah, Harker. Yeah, Stewart has no love interest in this movie. Um, to meet his uh, fiance, and we switch over to um, Carfax Abbey, which is just decorated like crazy. I mean, as Renfield is dragging the coffin up the stairs, um, Renfield played by Tony Hagarth, Milo Renfield, by the way, which I don't 
know if that's ever actually been known to be his real name. But uh, anyway, Tony Hagarth plays uh, Renfield in this. Um, I think we mentioned him before. He was in like Chicken Run and a, and a Holocaust TV series. He um, there's this giant bat like in the foyer. Did you see that thing before the camera cuts? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, Renfield, I, see, I see what you're talking about. Renfield drags it up the stairs. Dracula gets out of his coffin, and his cape and clothes are kind of like torn up and tattered. And as he's walking across the floor, that's pretty much how our five minutes ends. But before he gets out of the coffin, do you see, like, the decoration around the coffin, the skulls? Yeah, I mean, there's so much, there's so much detail here. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of remarkable just how many, like, spider webs and candles and all that kind of stuff. There's, there's so much. And it's also kind of a shit job to have to just drag him up. You think that this dark out Dracula could pop out now. <laughs> But he makes him drag him into the house. Um, do you um, could you identify what kind of animals those are? With taxidermy everywhere. Taxidermy everywhere. Yeah, I'm looking around, trying to get it. Sorry, I'm I'm doing like kind of bit by bit. Yeah, it's hard to. I can't quite tell. I think they light it up more later. Like a memories. like a cow probably, or a steer, a buffalo maybe. Definitely a, an animal with like a long face, like a horse or something. A gazelle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Some, some impressive jowls there, too. Something that looks predator-esque in there. <laughs> yeah, like a sandwich of as well. So, yeah, a lot of... Yeah, maybe. Something like that. Um, but, yeah, there's there's something there with, like, distinct, distinctive fangs on both the top and the bottom. Did you know... So, perhaps he admires it. Did you um did you know that the um that that Franklin Jella insisted this movie have no blood on the fangs? He wanted none of that Christopher Lee stuff from the Hammer films. It's such an interesting detail, but yeah, I think I think you had mentioned something like this before, and it's kind of it's interesting because he's trying to play it stone cold serious, but I think it would be like, well, why wouldn't blood on the fangs make him serious? I don't. I'm... This <laughs> movie had a budget of like twelve million dollars and only made twenty million worldwide, and I was like really i thought this movie was a huge hit but i guess that's a modest success i mean eight million dollar profit is good but obviously i mean it is a horror movie it is rated r i think they definitely you know they weren't you know they they probably got what they needed i don't know if this was a commercial financial success with the critics and everything but we'll get more into those type of uh, reviews later on yeah i think it's difficult to say because there's always the cost, the d- distribution and marketing costs are always part of it. Um, though I would say if that's the budget, this this by now this movie has definitely made back its money, but based on like residuals and rentals and things like that. I think probably the honestly the thing that probably hit it hardest was that it was like this is the same you know this is the same year this kind of old period piece is, is happening in the same era where like big sci-fi is starting to look and look and sound and be real good. Like two years after star Wars, this is the year alien came out. So I think it's, it's a little less, uh, <laughs> it's, it's very, I don't know. I think it's done very well, but I think it's also one of those movies at the same time that people are like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so. Right. Right. Well, again, that's all the notes I have here is Dracula gets out of his coffin and starts walking across the floor. Um, that's how we end our five minutes. Scott, where can people find us? You can find us at the Vampire Minute on Twitter, and I'm at Scott C. Danielson on Twitter as well. Did you have anybody from the production that you wanted to point out? Anybody from the production? 
Yeah, I messaged you before. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. You never responded saying, find somebody from the production to talk about. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of, yeah, not, nobody distinctive here. I think most of the people we've talked about in, in depth, um, what, once Lawrence Olivier shows up, we'll definitely have a lot to talk about. <laughs> right. He has not shown up yet. Yes. Uh, it's just also funny that Doll Pleasance was cast as Dr. Seward, um, usually a kind of a younger person role, and Lawrence Olivier was cast as uh, Van Helsing, but it works out. Yeah, it's it's interesting that they're all, like, older for the most part. Definitely. Check back with us in a couple weeks with another exciting five minutes from Dracula 79. Maybe Frank Langella will join us on the podcast. Probably not, but I'll bring it up every episode to see if, maybe if he does. <laughs> <laughs>